Hello, everybody, and welcome to In and Out of Frame. I hope you're all doing good. It's been a while. We started off the month of June with an amazing, inspiring story about the activist Catherine Dunham. She really put herself out there and did what she wanted and climbed the ranks and created an amazing movement of dance and performance. So please go back and listen to that if you haven't. But today, oh my goodness, I am geeking out and I have been geeking out and I'm super excited to give you guys the amazing, inspiring interview with Sally Marvel. So please enjoy and then I will see you guys again next Tuesday for my history episode about a little bit of a dance background. So enjoy Sally Marvel and I'll see you guys next week. Okay, so today we're talking with Sally Marvel. Welcome, Sally. Hi there. So like I said, thank you so, so much for being a part of this. I am still kind of fangirling even after getting to know you for a couple minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm so flattered. And we have so much to talk about. Um, just as a little introduction, you are one of only 50 known female sword swallowers worldwide, and you are an amazing performer. You really change it up. You have that burlesque feel. You have that warrior woman feel. You just, you have so many skills and talents. You're all over the board. I consider you a triple threat, and that's what <laughs> I've always kind of looked up to, especially like the old time performers. They've always known how to do everything. And that's how I look up to you as a triple threat. So, <laughs> oh. I feel like it's very necessary living in the city of Chicago and performing, um, especially since we have such or had such a gig rich economy where everyone wants live entertainment to constantly be. Um, exploring new options and new ways to entertain people, whether it's taking dance classes, learning new skills, creating new costumes, new gimmicks. It's such a hustle to always be able to create new and different material or do new spins on existing material uh, because you may have the same audiences seeing you, uh, especially for me, what I do at Bordell, where we had a weekly show. It's like, well, between myself and my performance partner, AJ, the amount of skills we have is ridiculous, but you can only put them together in so many different ways on stage before you're doing the same stuff over and over, especially since we've been doing that show for like three years. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been to one of the shows a few oh, years ago when, that. you know, I have a seven-year-old, so when she got a little older, I was able to not care about a babysitter. I went to one of the shows. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's true. One of the things you said on the website about those shows were you were looking for performers with Razor's Edge of Sexy, Magical, and Weird. And I loved that. And that is what you bring to it every week because you're looking for so many different types of performances. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, AJ and I are constantly brainstorming new stuff. But when we book performers, we also want to. Um, bring people into the show who we feel will really make the audience's evening more or less, um, you know, people who are going to be real crowd killers or present them with something maybe a little unexpected. Yes. That's so awesome. <laughs> okay. So let's bring it back a little bit because we'll talk again about what you have going on now and what everyone can come see you do. But 
so let's bring it back. So especially with all the different talents and skills you have, like when you were young and you were just getting into the idea of performance, like what were some of your influences and like, was it performance and theater at first or was it more of that sideshow aspect? Oh man, I got to you know, revisit what the word young would mean in this context because I was a late bloomer in regards to performing. When okay. I was young, young, my grandma enrolled me into these uh, tap dance classes through the church we went to. And I remember this one recital video. And you know, there's always the one kid who can't really keep in the line and goes the other <laughs> way. That was me. I had two left feet. <laughs> I, I was that kid, um, you know, I climbed trees, I, I did martial arts. But in my early to mid-20s, I started performing. Um, I started actually because there is this goth bar in my hometown I'd go to all the time and I'd dress up. And finally one day they're like, well, you're always here dancing, looking, you know, nice and put together. Do you want to get paid to do this? And of course, the answer oh. was yes. <laughs> yeah. So I started go-go dancing, and then through my involvement in nightlife, I met people who were willing to teach me other skills, which to me was very exciting to be able to take these things and make them my own and to be able to explore physicality um, in part as a challenge to overcome and then later as a goal to grow in. Uh, for example, I viewed sword swallowing as a challenge to overcome it's a mountain to climb whereas uh, dancing is not a challenge to overcome it's um something to grow with you you find landmarks yeah but even the aspect of just sword swallowing and you know walking up the stairs to that goal and all the complex things you have to go through it is the same thing as just all of us who enjoy dance and performance because you're working your body through it, you're mentally working through it. And that's really what I'm trying to strive for with everyone listening is, especially starting later in life, that is so cool to hear because, you know, you were put in tap classes, but like you said, you had two <laughs> left feet. So you got into what you wanted later in life, but you still had that desire to push yourself and do something out of the box that was different than, you know, just like working in a grocery store maybe. But... <laughs> You know, it's weird on topic, off topic, as an adult, when you find out how um, much someone who manages a grocery store, someone who's a janitor makes on top of benefits, you think, wait a minute, that's a great job, even though yeah. sometimes <laughs> society tells you it's not. Um, but I don't think pay-wise pay aside, those would be very fulfilling jobs for me because I do like to be expressive. Mm -hmm. I do like to create... Um, visual displays that take the audience from wherever they were earlier in their day to a new imaginative place so yeah oh absolutely and that's what that's what you do because that's what i see and even just hearing it in your voice now and how passionate you are about it that is what you bring to the table and that is yeah that's what we all need and we need to feel that confidence in ourselves when we see you do these amazing skills you know <laughs> Oh, well, butter my biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> With a little bit of honey. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so when I was watching some of your videos, too, um, talking about 
the different styles you have. So when you were doing one of your sword swallowing um, videos, you were dressed like very 1920s and you did a little Charleston when you did it. And then you had kind of a Vegas showgirl look for some of the fire ones and like a sideshow look with kind of the carnival-esque look and then you had like like i said before the woman warrior look especially with those pictures you sent me that i'm gonna post before this episode do you do you really have certain styles when it comes to how you want to portray yourself on the stage for the performances i mean uh, for me for myself but for people in general i uh you the human mind is a diamond that's multifaceted and we may see various faces and there may be sides of the diamond they don't show us. So my, uh, in terms of this, um, this reference, I, I, I have many interests. Some are more personal to me and some are more passing and all of the things I put on stage are an expression of myself and what intrigues me. But some of the things I put on stage are also in some ways more of a reflection of uh what i think a talent buyer might want or what i think the audience likes for example the very 1920 sword swallowing video mm-hmm. i do find that aesthetic very intriguing however it is not the aesthetic that is nearest and dearest to my heart okay. i chose um yeah i chose to learn the charleston and to put that whole thing together for reasons. Uh, One, it's my homage to Chicago, which as an artist is, it raised me as an artist (laughs) and brought me to where I am. And uh, Chicago never got over Al Capone and speakeasies. Like people love, love, love the 1920s. And um, so it's also something that's very bookable. I'm like, well, I like it and they like it and it's my homage. So let's just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely yeah. can tell how you sneak your personality in there, though, and that's a big thing. Uh, I think that's so important um, because, you know, we we as artists and dancers and movers like to view what we do as our own. I accomplished it with my own body and mind, and mm-hmm. it's so unique to me, and I have these special ideas, but a lot of our ideas are oftentimes they've happened before or they're happening simultaneously somewhere else in the world because they're not as unique as we'd like to believe they are and what is truly unique in all that we do is our mind and our spirit and how we present it so I'm sure there's like a million flapper acts out there I I don't say that disparagingly flapper 1920s theme Uh, and the, the thing that will separate the one from the other is not simply the costuming or the style of finger wave wig or up to we have it's how we present our personality and how we uh make the audience feel about it what they feel is what they'll remember no absolutely like you put it perfect and especially like so chicago is your main stomping ground and you've definitely toured around and been around different places throughout the nation have you ever been anywhere internationally yeah i've been a few places i've um been to the exciting and exotic far north of canada just across from New York. (laughs) I've been to the Philippines and Singapore on contract. Oh my god. Yeah, it's, it was interesting. It was good though. What kind of performance did you do when you were 
let's say, down in Singapore? In Singapore, I was on contract with Universal Studios for their Halloween Horror Nights production. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was um, interesting to see the kind of stuff they put together for that demographic. I was told by one of the women who worked for Universal Studios and who was heading their Halloween Horror Night project that they attended horror conventions, I think, in the U.S., because in the U.S., horror is, like, a huge genre. There's so many horror fans yeah. who just love, love, love it. So many people who, you know, Halloween is a lifestyle. <laughs> but for them, they couldn't believe how or why it was so popular. And imagine getting paid to go to a horror con for research. I think like, yeah. that's incredible. But um, some of the stuff they put together was, uh, culturally themed like snake demons and some of it was uh like zombies dancing to western pop music oh okay. <laughs> it's <was> interesting <laughs> well you definitely have a lot to bring to the table for them some of the skills that i wrote down in my notes were swords <laughs> following obviously glass walking fire eating the grinding the human pain yeah. cushion, et cetera et cetera et cetera <laughs> Yeah, I've learned, um, I've been performing, I think, for close to eight or nine years. I'm not very good at keeping track of time, but <laughs> I've tacked on various skills throughout the years. Uh, I believe angle grinding was one of my earliest, if not the earliest, and then sword swallowing was about four years ago. Okay. Wow, yeah. only four years ago. It might have been five, but I'm going to go with four. <laughs> Because I don't want to be lying. <laughs> well, the days just keep rolling by when you're having fun, right? <laughs> Actually, they do. Um, it's real weird to conceptualize time sometimes. Because oftentimes, I don't even know what day it is. I just know where I have to be. Yeah. Uh, like, numerically, what day it would be. And because when you're living um, that gig life, you're just constantly keeping in mind what you have to have ready for this and that. Mm -hmm. And the exact numbers of the days might not be as important unless you're putting something in your books on the calendar. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. But that's, so you do have a lot going on, as you're saying, and you're always going to do more. What else have you been up to with, you know, different studies or a different goal you have in the future coming up? You said something about studies in flamenco? Yes. Um, so for one of my sword swallowing acts, I had this vision. This was a few years ago. And I wanted it to be more flamenco inspired because that dance style is just so elegant and powerful. Or uh, as my flamenco instructor, Rosetta from Flamenco Chicago, described it, she said it was arrogant. I said, yes, it is an <laughs> arrogant dance. Um, but I had started training in flamenco so I could transform this act, which eventually I did. But I loved flamenco so much, um, how it taught me how to move differently, how to comport myself. It was just such a great experience. And I feel it brings so much to me in my life that I can, uh, both personally, as a not, not as a performer, but as a human being. Okay. You know, have a stressful day, just dance it out a little. Um, but also as a performer, for, for obvious reasons, you can put those movements on stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so cool that um, she described it as arrogant, too. Because especially when I would do tango or like Argentine tango, which you see as being very romantic, it does have a certain sassiness. Like you have to feel like you don't want to dance with that gentleman, but you are dancing with that gentleman. Oh my God, that's exactly how she describes some of the partner dance stuff we'd be learning. Yes. No, circle them and you look them down while you circle them. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I can't wait to see your vision of incorporating that with your um, skills on your sword swallowing because I can only imagine like what you're going to be doing with the dancing and the gentleman and then oh well I need to go do this right now (laughs) it's gonna be so cool (laughs) I have a lot of time to work on it now like I thought you know with acts you always think you have it together you oh I finally got it together and then a few months down the road well what if I just Mm -hmm. change (laughs) this one little thing well that's the curse of a performer's mind you're always trying to tweak it or you have a you wake up at 3 a.m and you have a dream of of something and you gotta fix it and figure it out (laughs) I can never perform it like that again I know better now (laughs) exactly (laughs) This is, this is true. <laughs> so when it comes to um, the songs you use for different performances, I know you, like now diving into this flamenco style, that's a totally different type of music and um, rhythm. What types of rhythms attract you the most? I know you're probably catering some of it to the audience, but if you could choose like one type of style or like one song that you've never done for your sword swallowing act, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, You know, in general, I prefer music that has a slower BPM because it's easier to mindfully move with the music, in my opinion. At least it's easier for me. Um, And even if you're not as familiar with the song, you can make it look like you know what you're doing with the music. a lot of music when I listen to it and I think, oh, this is a jam and I, I dig this. It's um, somewhere between some of Portishead's music and I've heard some more electronic remixes of, you know, Shirley Bassey that I really enjoy. So that kind of older um, music, but made, remade more modern and that stuff, you know, it's really fun for me as a listener to listen to. And oftentimes I hear the audience get behind it. Some of it's really, you know, sizzling. So that's that's stuff I really enjoy performing too. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely um incorporating like older music to newer music. One I think of a lot is I enjoy the um oh what did I it's like electronic swing. So it's yes, like big dance yes. jazz, but it's very electronic and it does, it gets you really moving. There is a I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Nicholas Repock. Uh, I feel like his albums sound very different, some of them to the others, where I almost didn't recognize it as the same artist. But if you like uh, electro swing or more electro jazzy music, you should check out his album Black Box. I have found multiple songs on that album that I enjoy performing to, and I think it's just really solid. No, that's awesome. Thank you. I'll I'll look into that because I do like I shift every day different styles and you know I wake up three a.m. with my ideas and I'm like I need to listen to this type of music right now because my ideas rolling. But 
you know, yeah. when I'm doing dishes, I like some type of swing music for some reason. So I'm, I'll definitely check into that. <laughs> yeah, I hope you dig it. And do let me know if you check it out, what you think of it, because his music is a whole jam. <laughs> Thank you. I will. So I want you, I want to get some advice from you for our listeners, because just hearing what you've been through, I really love knowing that you started a little later in life when it comes to digging your toes into the performance life and working your butt off. I just want to know, like, what, what pushed you and what kind of plan is best for you? Like, what type of advice can you put out there for someone who has this bug and they don't know how to dip their toe in the pool when it comes to like performance and if they want to dance and they want to be a part like they want to be an artist and you know it's scary like it's a complex thing trying to put yourself out there but that's why I love knowing that you started a little later because your mind isn't just like a little kid learning how to tap (laughs) it's like I'm making this decision I'm getting this done so I want to know what you need to say to our listeners I do find it more enjoyable when I'm practicing flamenco, especially if it's hard to pretend like I'm a little kid, because (laughs) it allows me that space of (laughs) self-forgiveness that I don't judge myself so harshly. Um, But for anyone starting a new task, especially if it's in the arts, know that you will not be good off of that. As a matter of fact, you might be terrible, and that's okay. Just give yourself that. Let yourself be awkward, goofy, whatever, because you know what? the more work you put in, the more diligence and heart you have, and the more you try and try and try, eventually you get better. And you won't believe it. You'll be like, holy crap, I can't believe I can do the thing. And you can. And then you work a little harder and you keep going and you keep going. You'll be much better after a month than you were from day one and three months from month one. And at the end of the year, you're going to be like, holy crap, I did something. So don't be discouraged if you're not initially good and don't be discouraged by, you know, any, any type of um, concept regarding age. I see all ages and body types in dance classes at all levels of skills. Uh, a lot of the ladies who are older than me are so talented. I just want like a pinky full of their dance talent. <laughs> um, you know, we live in a society that tells you if you haven't done it all by 23 that you're failing at life, but that's a fully unrealistic uh, mindset unless you're ridiculously independently wealthy. You know, everyone's got to work to get to the point they want to be at, and you can start that work at any point in time. Absolutely. Does not matter. So happy time you said is, all of that. <laughs> yeah, time, time is, um, you know, not necessarily as linear as we'd like it to be. <laughs> no, not at all. And just like you, you're your own student now. Like you're looking up to someone much older who has these amazing dance moves. And, you know, even me in college, there was this lady, she had to be in our 80s. She was in my art class, like history of art. And it was so cool to see her just there wanting to go to school and learn something new now that she could. But that's the, yeah, that's the thing. Exactly what you said. You have to you have to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to see yourself fall down, but you got to get right back up. I think the most impressive uh, thing I've ever seen in this regards was when I was a teenager in martial arts class. I practiced a very hard style 
of mixed martial arts and there was an old like white hair old lady someone's grandma who joined us and I don't think her joints were so good but you know what she was diligent and she never gave up at least not as long as I was there um, she'd come to class and she learned and she had a lot of spirit and you know we talk about you can do this at any age at any point it truly is about the heart you bring to it and how how much you want to work for something do you really want it even passingly are you passingly wanting it enough to be willing to put in a 10 minutes here 15 minutes there yeah you know? oh absolutely absolutely you're so right and i love your experiences that you've went through with that because you could just tell the truth and say, hey, this is what I've done. And I know it's tough, but you'll get past it. <laughs> yeah, you just got to remind yourself being bad at something is absolutely stage one. <laughs> There's yes. no getting around it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially doing those round days in Flamenco. <laughs> you, you are not a failure. You are in progress. Yes, I love that. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. So now that things are slowly getting maybe not back to normal but things are getting a little bit better i saw you were doing a lot online keeping everyone involved during all this stay at home stuff um Fine. so what's coming next for you within the year you know i wish i knew um i, t I try to take things day by day because the information we get is so varied and things are changing all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, my performance partner, AJ and I have moved our live stream vaudeville event to every other Thursday because it gives us time to film and conceptualize more creative ideas. Okay. Uh, in terms of live performances, I have some people asking me about late summer um, Halloween things, but it's really hard to say what anything will look like then. Yeah. I am available for socially distanced performances. I did one in someone's yard yesterday, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, there are a lot of opportunities out there, and as we learn to navigate this new environment as, as a society, and um, we start to be able to be outside, just out in the outdoors more, uh, that there will be a lot more happening. So I guess all I can say is stay tuned. Yeah. No, but that's the cool thing is that you're figuring it out. You're still there for your fans and you're getting things done. And it is kind of cool seeing stuff outside, especially now Chicago being in summer. If we social distance yes. and we take it easy, it's all about staying safe, then yes. we can enjoy ourselves. That's very Absolutely. cool. It makes me think a little bit, um, on our second episode, I did a history lesson of the Willowbrook Ballroom at the south side of Chicago, and when they first built, they were all outdoors. It was like an outdoor patio ballroom floor, and it just, it's like, why can't we have those again and just social distance, you know? <laughs> I, uh, not related to performance, but I did a study abroad in China in my early 20s and uh, they'd have these giant outdoor parks where if you went by in the evening the older folk would be dancing oh yeah and when you mentioned this outdoor ballroom that totally reminds me of that it would be really great to have um, larger plazas where people could be distanced while doing activities yeah, and 
Chicago is a perfect place for that. I feel like we really enjoy our festivals and the lakefront. And if we're just smart about it, you know, Chicago is the best stomping ground you have right now. <laughs> I feel that you got a lot of big open spaces downtown. Um, you know, people just gotta remember to be considerate of others and to be mindful of space and their precautions. Yeah, but I'm so happy you're still doing your thing, and I'm always, <laughs> I'm following you. I'm a fangirl. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I think it's important to, um, you know, you know, I'm not changing the world or anything, but if you know, I can establish or maintain some degree of normalcy for other people out there. I think that's incredibly helpful because if everyone you know is having the attitude of, holy crap, the world is falling apart, suddenly you, you're just a lot less certain about things. And it's, it's uh, maybe the small input of trying to make things okay for people. Oh, absolutely. And that's what us who are involved in the arts, we know how it is to feel in that tough place. And then when we perform or we're doing something artsy or have that idea, we spark right up. So it's very important for us to bring that to everybody right now. And that's the reason why I started this podcast too, because, you know, I'm a mom, I'm at home and I'm just like, well, I want to talk to my peeps, my art peeps. So <laughs> let's yeah. see how this goes. <laughs> oh yeah. I think this is a great idea. Um, I'm very interested in you know, reviewing some of your episodes, but also you know, who else are you going to be interviewing? Can you tell me? I'm very nosy. <laughs> I have had some responses. I have a burlesque performer from Chicago. I have a burlesque performer from New York recorded. Um, I do have a choreographer who worked in Chicago and LA and he did some acting. That was very enjoyable to record. I have a couple from the ballroom world because that was kind of my stomping grounds for a couple of years. <laughs> So it's just all over the board, but everybody's stories really intertwine when it comes to how they're feeling about life and how they feel about working with others and the way they want to put themselves out there for others to enjoy. It's, we're all very equal, which I love. <laughs> yeah, I, I love hearing other people's uh, stories, especially if there are other artists. And I know we so often put these thoughts freely on social media platforms. Um, but I enjoy what you do as a podcast in terms of streamlining the questions and the content because um, social media as it's, has its own life and its own energy and like a, you know, platforms like Facebook can be, you know, exhausting to navigate just to get one nugget of an idea from, yeah. <laughs> from um, someone off of your feed. Whereas, you know, I find this interview to be very enjoyable and uplifting and it would be a pleasure to listen to other artists express their ideas on this type of platform oh well thank you so much i thank you it just i'm so like happy about everything right now so. <laughs> i'm like giddy <laughs> okay so awesome thank you so much one last weird question that i just always do because with this podcast and I'm still a working mom and I'm what they're considering the essential worker right now, but I love dance. I love performance, but I drink a lot of coffee. So yeah. if you drink coffee, what, how do you take your coffee? I usually take my coffee black. 
Um, but my boyfriend of late has been, instead of using just water, has been using uh, milk. And so that's been interesting. Oh, while well, he brews it? Yeah, that's what he brews it with is, um, is milk. And it tastes like, what is it, a latte? latte? Really? I'm not a connoisseur of coffee. I just know I take it black and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I know. Well, me too. I also take it black. So now I'm thinking, can I just put milk in my French press? Do I heat it up? What am I going to do now? <laughs> I want to try yeah. it. He heats it up on the stovetop. Of course, you got to watch it like a hawk so it doesn't boil over. And then you put, put it in your French press. That's what we do. I am going to try that out tomorrow morning. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> You're welcome. It's good for, um, he likes mochas, so if you have some, like, sugar and cocoa in your house, you boil this milk, put it in your French press, and then you put some sugar and cocoa in your cup and stir it all in, and you have yourself a really good at-home mocha. That's awesome. I never thought about that. Man, thank you, because I'm just a black coffee drinker, so. (laughs) Uh, so am I. I wouldn't know these things if I didn't live with him. (laughs) He's, like, super fancy. He's, like, that Netflix documentary about baristas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure is. Thank you so, so much, Sally. Again, I am head over heels. I'm so happy that we chatted for so long. But I'm definitely, this episode will premiere in June because I got a lot of cool stuff set up that I think will work well with what you're saying. So everyone can look out for that in a couple weeks. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for talking with me. Awesome. Well, have a good rest of your day. I'm going to stop the recording and thank you so much, Sally. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye. Bye.